Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. Our friend from the PFRA, historian and author Greg Tranter joins us today to talk about his latest book, The Buffalo Curse, and how it has football involved in it, coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history. And we are going to stare down that portal tonight and talk to our friend and historian, Greg Trancher, who is uh, authored of a few books on football. We've talked to him and Jeff Miller just recently on their book from last year called Relics about uh, the Buffalo Bills and some of the memorabilia that they wrote about. Well, Greg is back with another book called The Buffalo Sports Curse. Uh, very interesting indeed. Hi, Greg Tranter, welcome back to the Pig Pen. Hey, thanks a lot, Darren. Great to be back. Greg, you are uh, staying extremely busy. You like I said you just uh, had this book published with Jeff last year or earlier this year, and now this book, and you're telling me you have a couple more books in progress, so you're a very busy guy, so we appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us tonight. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. So maybe you could uh, describe the, the, the Buffalo sports curse. Now that's uh, something, you know, we, we've heard of, of curses of other teams, you know, perhaps like the Chicago Cubs and uh, the Boston Red Sox and some of those curses, but I've never really uh, heard of the Buffalo sports curse. So maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about basically what this is. So, yeah, the interesting part of the Buffalo sports curse is it's not one team. It's affected every professional team in Buffalo in the four major sports of baseball, basketball, football, and hockey all the way back to 1901. So it's affected not only the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres that people are very familiar with, but also the Buffalo Federals from the Federal Baseball League back in 1914 and 15, the Buffalo All-Americans that were an original franchise in the National Football League, all the way through. Um, And it even affected a few individuals. Um, superstars like O.J. Simpson and baby Joe Macy, who is a boxer in Buffalo. Um, so it's, it's very expansive, much more so than like the Chicago Cubs or the Boston Red Sox, because there were other teams in those cities that were winning championships. Okay. So now generally these curses, especially the two we mentioned, we, we know that the, the Boston uh, Red Sox curse was the, the curse of the Bambino from them uh, selling the rights to, to Babe Ruth, supposedly. Uh, the Cubs, I believe, was the, the Billy Goat tavern curse of somebody, a tavern owner brought a Billy Goat into one of the games. He uh, asked to leave with his goat and he put a curse on the team and it lasted, you know, 
decades. Uh, so what, what's sort of the root of, of this curse in Buffalo? So three things happened in 1901 to create the curse. One, President William McKinley was in Buffalo visiting the Pan American Exposition and was assassinated in September of that year. Earlier in 1901, Buffalo was an original franchise in the American Baseball League that was just forming at the turn of the century. Um, and what happened was they had paid their franchise fee, were told by, by President uh, Ban Johnson, who was the president of the American League, that they were in the league. And then at the last minute, Ban Johnson double-crossed Buffalo when he realized he needed a team in Boston to compete with the Boston Braves. So he moved the Buffalo franchise to Boston. They became the Boston Americans. In 1903, they won the first World Series. And in 1907, they were renamed the Boston Red Sox. The third thing that happened in 1901 is the owner of that Buffalo baseball team died of a heart attack at 53 years old. And many people say he died of a broken heart because he wanted a major league baseball team in Buffalo. So it was those three things in combination that happened in 1901 that started the curse. Huh. Very interesting. So this is, uh, you know, what, 121 years old, this curse. Yes. And no um, Buffalo team has won a universally recognized championship in any of the four major sports of baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. The Buffalo Bills won two AFL championships in 64 and 65. But at that time, the AFL was considered inferior to the NFL. And so the Bills would not have been considered the professional football champion of the sport. It would have been the NFL team. Um, and other than those two, no team um, has won a universally recognized championship. And there's a cursed event on every team that's been a professional franchise in Buffalo in one of the four major sports. Hmm. Okay. So maybe you could uh, describe uh, some of those uh, of the, of all four sports. Sure. And of course, of course, you know, everybody's pretty familiar, right. With wide, right. In super bowl 25, um, the music city miracle in the 1990 AFC divisional playoff in Tennessee, the no goal, when Brett Hall scored the winning goal for the Stanley Cup and his skate was in the crease, which, of course, was against league rules that year. Um, and then even last year, the 13 seconds in Kansas City, where Buffalo was 13 seconds away from, you know, winning that playoff game and, and then hosting, they would have hosted the AFC championship game. So there's those that people are very familiar with, but lots of people don't know that, for example, Buffalo had an original franchise in the American Professional Football Association, which, of course, was the forerunner of the NFL. And they had a team called the Buffalo All-Americans. And in 1920, they actually played for the championship in Buffalo, even though there wasn't really a championship game. But they played Akron at the end of the season, and they had the two best records in the APFA. If Buffalo won that game, they would have been NFL champions. If they tied, Akron would win because Akron had, had no losses. Buffalo had won. Um, and so, of course, they tied. So Akron won the championship. What's worse is the following year, in 1921, Buffalo goes through 
what they thought was the regular season undefeated. And they were crowned champions, at least by the press. And then the owner, Frank McNeil, the owner of the Buffalo All-Americans, agreed to play what he thought were two exhibition games at the end of the season. They beat the Akron Pros one day, and the next day they played the Chicago Staleys and lost the game, 10-7. to At that point, George Hallis, who was the owner of the Staleys, claimed that that game counted and that the Staleys should be champions because if you included those two games, the Staleys had a better winning percentage than Buffalo did. They were 9-1-1 and and Buffalo was 9-1-2. and And he also claimed that the Staleys won by more points. They had won 10-7 earlier in the year. Buffalo had won by one point. So they had a point differential advantage. So he basically went to the rest of the owners and lobbied to be champions of the league. And in the spring of the following year, the owners voted the Staley's NFL champions. Um, And um, it is now known as the Staley swindle uh, because of the back office maneuverings of George Hallis and McNeil, the Buffalo All-Americans owner, fought that decision for the rest of his life. Um, up until all the way till 1961. And then his wife carried the banner after that until she died. But the Staley's are still considered NFL champions to this day. Uh, yeah, we, had, we had a discussion. I had uh, Joe Ziemba on uh, about a week ago, and we spoke with him about his book on uh, the Cardinals and the Bears that he wrote that was released recently, and he, quite a bit about Hallis in it. And we talked a little bit about Hallis, you know. Uh, sort of being, you know, did a lot of great things for the game, but he was sort of, you know, really jockeyed things for his team to try to gain an advantage for his team. And, you know, th- this uh, Staley Swindle being one of them and a couple others that he did, uh, I believe Portsmouth and uh, Green Bay, he sort of uh, screwed them out of some championships too and tried a couple others too that uh, Joe Carr and uh, I believe uh, dismissed and wouldn't let him do. But uh, yeah, that's uh that's a pretty big one when you, you get a championship taken from you. Well, and then, and then he came back to haunt Buffalo years later um, with the All-American Football Conference. Um, if you remember the AAFC in 1946 to 49, Buffalo had a franchise in there. In that franchise, they were the, I, think, I think their attendance was the third highest in the league. They made the playoffs two years in a row, um, actually played a championship game against Cleveland and, and lost. Um, like everybody did. But when they went to merge, uh, Buffalo had an opportunity to merge in if they got 100% of the votes of the owners. George Hallis voted against it. (laughs) (laughs) So he was still holding a grudge, you know, 20, what, 29 years later. Um, How could he have a grudge? He, 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 he got what he wanted the other times. Right. But because (laughs) McNeil fought the rest of his life, he was mad. Ah, Uh, I see. And so, um, so Buffalo was left out of the NFL in 1950 when, you know, the Browns joined and the 49ers, you know, joined and so on. Buffalo was left out. So, um, so yeah, Hallis comes back to haunt them later. And, and that's in the book, too. <laughs> and he, and he vol- vaulted in uh, the Colts into that. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> okay, so so you have a lot, a lot of football uh, happening there in 
you, you talked a little bit about the, the AFL uh, championships, but the, the AFL not quite being ready to, to merge with the NFL. They were a competition and sort of lesser competition. And then you, you get into these, uh, you know, some of the NFL seasons of, of the bills and uh, boy, there's some, some bad luck there. Like you, you talked about a few of them already. Well, yeah. I mean, even let's go back to the AFL. So in Buffalo had won the championship in 64 and 65, and then 66 becomes the first year of the Super Bowl. So they, so they actually have an opportunity to become universal champions, right? They win the AFL East division and they play Kansas city um, in the AFL championship game to go to Super Bowl one. And it's at home. Um, and they're trailing near the end of the first half, 14 to seven, Jack Kemp's playing quarterback, driving the bills to the tying touchdown. They get inside the 20 yard line near the end of the half and Kemp throws what looks to be a touchdown pass in the end zone. And the bills receiver slips and falls down and Johnny Robinson steps in front of him, intercepts the pass, returns it 70 yards. It sets up a, a field goal at the end of the half. And instead of the game being tied 14 to 14, the chiefs are up 17 to seven and they go on to win 31 to seven. And the bills are denied the opportunity to go to super bowl one. And actually a lot of people, a lot of football historians will tell you that the bills actually were a better matchup for um, the Packers than the chiefs were. Because as, as you may or may not know, but Buffalo still holds the record for the most consecutive games, not allowing a rushing touchdown. And so they would have handled the Packer sweep. Um, and so who knows? I mean, you know, it's all speculation of whether the bills would have beaten them or not, but my guess is they would have given them a better, a better game, but either way, they lost their opportunity to be the universal champions in 1967. Uh, so and then you fast forward to the NFL. Of course, there's the four Super Bowls. There's not only Super Bowl 25, you know, where, um, you know, wide right, which I don't know if you or if any of your listeners saw the 30 for 30 on the four falls of Buffalo by ESPN a few years ago. But running back Kenneth Davis theorized that the Army helicopters that were flying over actually kept Norwood's ball from curving in because his kicks always curved in and that kick didn't. And he surmises that it was because of the army helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but then, you know, you have Super Bowl 26 where um, Thurman Thomas, you know, loses his helmet before the game on the second play of the game, the bills had planned for a certain run that they thought they could break for a touchdown the play opened up exactly like they thought, but Kenneth Davis, who was his replacement, ran to the wrong hole. And so no big play, no touchdown, because Thurman was on the bench. You know, who knows? Does that change the game? Maybe the Bills still lose. You know, then you go to Super Bowl 27 in the Rose Bowl, and Jim Kelly gets hurt. The Bills turn the ball over nine times. Um, then you go to Super Bowl 28. The Bills are up 13-6 to six at half. They have the ball to start of the second half. They get to midfield. Thurman Thomas fumbles. James Washington returns it for a touchdown. Instead of the Bills going up 16-6 to six or 20-6, to six, it's now 13-13. Uh, 
and the bills unraveled at that point. Um, and there are many more. I mean, I have, I think there's about a dozen different bills, specific situations in playoff games that they lost that were very controversial. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot, there's a, definitely a lot of football in the book. Um, but it does cover all the sports, all four. Yeah, well, that's uh, some things I didn't uh, didn't realize uh, about the Bills, especially that uh, 1966 uh, AFL championship game. Uh, very interesting. Now, there's a, a, a saying here. You know, I, I don't live that far from Buffalo. I'm in, in Erie, so I'm, I'm halfway between Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan, and the Bills just uh, cleaned our clocks a couple weeks ago. Worst loss in the Tomlin era. But there's a, sort of been a, a, a joke that's gone around by Steelers fans, you know, talking about the Browns and, and the Bills, about if, if you're and you want to date a girl and you don't really want to get married, you date a girl that's a Bills fan because she's patient about getting a ring. That's, that's some <laughs> sick humor in there, but. <laughs> yes, 120 years, 120 yeah, so. years of waiting. <laughs> <laughs> So I had to throw that in there because it sort of fit in, but um, yes. now, okay. Now take it, take aside, you know, being a bills fan, because last, last year, the, the 2021 uh, divisional playoff game against Kansas city, the 13 seconds had to be, you know, crushing, make you sick to your stomach as a bills fan. But as a football fan, uh, if you, if you, I know it's hard to do, if you can peel back those layers of uh, your love for your team, I mean, it had to be probably the, the greatest football game that was ever played in maybe any level, because that was that was tremendous watching that last two minutes of the game. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was. I mean, it's the only game in NFL history that two teams scored 25 points in the last two minutes of regulation. Um, I mean, you know, you, you saw it and you saw it again this past Sunday. Mahomes and Allen are quarterbacks that do things that other players just can't do. And you, you, you know, you, you think you got them tackled, you think you got them hemmed in. And then all of a sudden, whoop, there's a 20 yard play. <laughs> and it's like, how did that happen? I thought we had them stopped. Um, and it happened in that, in that last two minutes last year, it happened on both sides of the ball. Right. It was like, you know, I mean, you know, Tyree kill goes for, you know, 70 yards and then, you know, and then the bills come right back and drive down the length of the field and score with 13 seconds left. And you're sitting there going, okay, I feel pretty comfortable. There's only 13 seconds left and they get 45 yards in two plays in 10 seconds, you know? So, I mean, and, and I think everybody that was watching that game wanted the bills to get the ball in overtime, you know, to match them. Right. Definitely. I mean, to the point that the league changed the rule. Um, because everybody watching on TV was like, no, Alan deserves a shot to respond. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of interesting. My wife and I, we were supposed to be at a family member's for dinner uh, and, and going to go watch the second game. I believe it was uh, Tampa and the Rams was the next game, which was also a great game. So we were trying to you know, make our travel plans. I, well, I tried to make my travel plans. I tried to get them to time their dinner so I could get done with one game and go the other. So I kept telling my wife, I think I told her four times in that last two minutes, oh, this game's over. They, you know, Kansas City just scored. Oh, no, Buffalo just scored. This game's over. And it's just kept the other team kept coming back and unbelievable. That was, that was edge of your seat football there. And that was great. Yes. No, I, and see, I, I, I played into the curse. I, I jinxed them because when they scored, when the Bills scored with 13 seconds left, I turned to my wife and I go, oh, my God, we're going to win. 
<laughs> I'll never do that again. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah, that's a, a, extremely interesting. So you, you, that's uh, so maybe this year, maybe this is the year that the, the curse can be broken. You know, you just had you know, Buffalo, you know, in a close game, but uh, they they overcame Kansas City at Kansas City. Of course, they did yeah. last year during the regular season, I believe too. But uh, yes. it's got to be a confidence booster knowing that you can go toe to toe with you know the the great Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and you've proven it you know three times in the last two years that you can take them right down to the the final seconds and well and in the and in their stadium, which is loud, noisy, a difficult place to play. As I've said a bunch of my friends this week, I said, I want Patrick Mahomes to come to Orchard Park in January. Let's see how he does with Bill's Mafia and 20 mile an hour winds and freezing cold temperatures. And let's see how comfortable he is in those, you know, because the, the amazing part about the Chiefs, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Right. He's always played at home. Okay, come to Buffalo. <laughs> let's right. see how you do. But, you know, fitting, fitting into that now, I bl- believe the announcers on Sunday's game said that next year that Buffalo has to travel to Kansas City again. And I'm yes. thinking, how can that game be at Kansas City every single year? You think at one time you'd get get one in Buffalo. I know, right. I know. Because because I mean, Allen's what they've played now, I think, five or six times. And only one of them has been in Buffalo, a regular season game during the pandemic when there was no fans allowed. come on so so that's even a more advantage because he's never experienced Mahomes has never experienced a game in Orchard Park with fans it's 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 very reminiscent I think it was similar thing with the the Steelers and Patriots you know the the Brady Roethlisberger years it seemed like every year the Steelers would have to travel to to Boston to play except for one year and that was the the Jesse James controversy at the end of the game and the Patriots Beat, uh, beat them in Pittsburgh, but that was you know, very, very similar. Where you know, yeah. one team just gets all the home games during regular season. I don't understand that. So I know it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, okay. So I'm sorry. So t- tell us a little bit more about the curse uh, with, you know, as far, as far as your book. And uh, well, I guess, first of all, let's, let's tell people where they can get the book. Yeah. So, um, so the book is available in many, many locations, but um, RIT press um, published the book. Um, and so it's available on their website, um, which is www.rit.edu slash press slash Buffalo hyphen curse uh, sports curse. Um, so they can get it there. Um, it will be available on Amazon right now if you go on Amazon because the book the book officially releases next Monday. Um, okay. And we have a kickoff at the. Buffalo History Museum at six o'clock next Monday night. Um, and I'll be giving a talk, you know, somewhat similar to this, you know, telling some of the stories that are in the book. Um, so this will be Mo- Monday, October 24th. And Monday, October 24th. And, and folks, we are pre-recording this. So this is being released on the 24th. So uh, don't, don't be confused here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, it'll be in all the local bookstores, Barnes and Noble around Western New York. Um, but online, either RIT or Amazon, um, should, should do the trick and the, the book, the way the book is structured, it's structured into 18 chapters, uh, that highlight, uh, different, um, cause it's, it's kind of a combination history book, curse book, 
So there's 32 cursed events that I talk about in the book. But I also give historical information about the teams leading up to the curse. So you learn about, you know, the the Buffalo All-Americans of the APFA. You learn about the Buffalo Federals that were in the Federal Baseball League in 1914 and 15. You learn about the Buffalo Braves basketball team in the 70s. Um, So you get some history along with it, and then it plays into, oh, and then here's the curse that occurred that affected the team and affected their ability to win a championship. Oh, very uh, interesting. Get a little bit of sports history along with uh, uh, some of the controversial uh, uh, hypotheticals in there. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, sorry. It also covers franchises that never came into being, but almost did. And then it also covers two individuals. Um, it covers OJ Simpson and his fall from grace. Um, you know, he's probably... You know, uh, and again, a lot of people this day and age don't remember that O.J. Simpson, when he came out of USC, was not only considered the best player at the time, he was considered the greatest running back in college football history at that point in time. Um, And he was, and though the Bills never won a Super Bowl, obviously he broke all kinds of records. And I would argue, you know, the murders occur and his fall from grace is probably the greatest fall from grace of any athlete in American professional sports history. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. You're you're right. That's uh, quite a a Buffalo connection too. Very, very interesting. And we lost it, right? I mean, we lost it because, you know, he's a pariah now to a great degree. Right. Yeah. You sort of lost that, that iconic uh, figure in your history, you know, before, before the, the great bills teams of the nineties, he, he was probably the face of the franchise. Yeah. And he was beloved in Buffalo for sure. But I mean, even nationally. Wow. V- very interesting. Great storyline. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you wrote those books. That's it's very intriguing. And folks, uh, you know, Greg described where you can get it. We're going to, if you're driving or don't have a, a writing utensil, we will have uh, as many links as we can in the show notes uh, of this podcast so you can get information and get links right to get connected to Greg's book, The Buffalo Sports Curse. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, get these things out while they're hot here, uh, probably make some, some great gifts for the holidays for your sports fans in your life, I'm sure. And, um, you know, some great reading, very interesting. So, so Greg, uh, you know, you got a couple other projects uh, coming up. I don't know if you want to discuss them or just leave them for now, not jinx them or. No, 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 no. Um, I have two books that hopefully we'll publish next fall. Um, one is a football book, uh, which is, a timeline of the history of the bills. So we're basically creating a book that takes about 150 bills stories and puts them on a timeline with photos from the birth of the franchise right up through this season. And we call them vignettes because there'll be 350 to 500 word stories about significant things that happened in bills history. And they'll be basically through the book in sequence of the time when they occurred. Um, and I'm doing that with a company called Reedy Press. Um, they did one uh, book about the Chiefs a couple years ago. Um, and so we're doing one on the Bills. And that'll publish next fall. Um, and then I'm also doing a basketball book on the Buffalo Braves basketball team that today is the L.A. Clippers. But they were in Buffalo from 1970, 1978 and had superstars like Bob McAdoo, Ernie DiGregorio, Randy Smith, 
where they're like big name players and they're in the curse book too because <laughs> uh, they have a couple of cursed events uh to go along with that franchise but that will be more of a total history book and i've also we've also written biographies on every player that played for the team there were 83 players that played and we've written a biography on every person and that one i'm collaborating with a guy named bud bailey who's a buffalonian who's a former uh sports reporter for the buffalo news Wow. You, you are a busy guy. I, I hope uh, you get these books uh, done and out, out to the publisher quickly so you can get a little bit of sleep here. <laughs> you got you to be going 24 seven to do all that. Wow. All fun though. All, all yeah. what I love doing. So, <laughs> well, well, Greg, uh, why don't you give us a title of your book again? Uh, once again, best place to get it. And uh, you know, before, yep. before we, all right. It's called the Buffalo sports curse, 120 years of pain disappointment, heartbreak, and eternal optimism. <laughs> so that's the full title of the book. Uh, it's available at RIT Press, um, which is www.rit.edu slash press. Um, and the book will be there. Um, or you can get it on Amazon or at any of the local bookstores uh, around Western, Western New York um, will be available. So, and it officially releases on October 24th but you can order it today. All right. Well, Greg Tranter, historian, author, collector, thank you very much for, for coming on here and sharing uh, the story of this great book and for writing this book and sharing this, the great stories contained in it uh, of the Buffalo curse and uh, appreciate your time. All right, Darren. Thank you. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's 
historynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.